0: This is Ray Martinez, and thank you for joining me again in another great teaching this week. And the question is, which gate are we going to enter? So we're reading out of the scripture, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, which says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. That makes you wonder. <laughs> that sounds like a, a very hard path, doesn't it? So few people come to the light that is revealed in Christ is really what it's it's, it's trying to say here. But if we look at Matthew Uh, chapter 19, verse 23 through 24, it's it's re-talking about rich people who have a difficult time uh, getting through that gateway. And it's rich people are used as an example of why it's hard to get into the kingdom. Here's what it says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. He uses a cross analysis there of comparing it to a camel getting through the eye of a needle. He's really focusing on how we get so hung up and attached to this world that we'll never be able to see Christ unless we really decide to change our focus. Jesus knows it's difficult for wealthy people to change their status in life because they are enjoying so much of the present. I love it when Jesus gives the bottom line. If you look at John 3, 19, he he says, and the judgment is based on this fact. That's what he says. So he's laying the facts right on the line. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. You look at Luke 11:23. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. He gives you the bottom line. I love that. You know, I used to tell our city attorney when I was on city council uh, many years ago, Steve Roy, and he had asked me, he said, Ray, why, why is it that it's, it seems like council members aren't reading my, my reviews, my law reviews? And I said, Steve, you know, at the very end of your memo, you always put the bottom line of what the case is about and what the bottom line story is and the results are. I said, I would suggest that you put the bottom line at the very front of the memo. And it made a world of difference. So now even I think today still the city attorney who is uh, different than Steve Roy who went on to see the Lord we still put the bottom line at the top of the memo even though it's the bottom line <laughs> So it's good to know that's how Jesus sees things he gives that bottom line and and then he goes on to explain with analogies and stories that helps people understand the the difference when you look at John chapter 6 verse 64 Uh, through 71. It's the separation of the non-believing disciples. There's this big separation that occurs. If you read that, you'll see what happens. Uh, Jesus says, he says, but some of you, you don't believe me. So Jesus knew from the beginning which ones that didn't believe him, and he knew who would betray him. And, And what he told him specifically, he said, quote, that that is why I said that people Can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. So their eyes have to be open. You know, at this point, many of the his his disciples turned away and they deserted him. There's somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy of them, is what some of the records record. And then Jesus turned and he looked at the twelve that was left behind, and he's and he told him. He says, "Are you also going to leave me?" And then Simon Peter answered him. He said, "Lord." To whom would we we go? You have the words that give eternal life. it's a a great point. Simon Peter reasoned very well here. There wasn't too much of a knee-jerk reaction like he's commonly known for. And he says, Peter goes on to say, he says, We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. And then Jesus turned to him and said, I choose the twelve of you, but one is a devil. See, Jesus knows this, but he's still picking them to follow him. I can't help but think from a human standpoint that Jesus didn't feel rejected or hurt by so many of them that were departing. It's just from a human standpoint. However, it was necessary. The separation was necessary to separate the wheat from the chaff. And he knew that had to be done. And he needed someone who was dependable. So he depended on these 12, knowing that one of them was the devil. Can you imagine the disciples wondering what's going on, like, am I the devil? Well, who's the devil? I mean, when he throws out that statement, it's just like, that's a whole new can of worms. But look at John uh, chapter 14, verse 5 through 6, and this is doubting Thomas. He's having a conversation with Jesus, and Jesus is trying to explain what's going on about who he is. and. Thomas says, no, we don't We don't know you, Lord. He says, we have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus plainly told him, quote, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There it is. He lays it right on the line again. Look at Acts 14, uh, verse 22, and this is Paul and Barnabas when they return back to a couple of the of the, the towns that they were preaching in before. And and after preaching this good news in Derby and, and making some disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch and Pisidia. And that's where, where they strengthened the believers. They were there to encourage them. So they encouraged them to continue in the faith and reminded them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Matthew Henry's commentary in his Bible says it well, and I want to read that to you. The way to eternal life is narrow. We are not in heaven as soon as we are got through the straight gate. Self must be denied. The body kept under and corruption mortified. Daily temptations must be resisted. Duties must be done. We must watch in all things and walk with care. And we must go through much tribulation. And yet this way should invite us all. It leads to life to present comfort in the favor of God, which is the life of the soul, to eternal bliss. The hope of which, at the end of our way, should make all difficulties of the road easy for us. And some of my various readings every day, like the Daily Bread, I like reading that. They had a very compelling a story And, and it, it was really talking about imagining your life without mobile phones, Wi-Fi, GPS, Bluetooth devices, or microwave ovens. Well, that's actually the way it is in a little town of Green Bank, West Virginia. It's known as the quietest town in America. Wouldn't we all kind of like that, to have this quiet town? but I'm not sure we could always part our ways with our cell phones and electronics. We're, we're so addicted to them. And they're helpful for us too, don't get me wrong. But it's, it's also the location of the Green Bank Observatory, the world's largest steerable radio telescope. The telescope really needs, the way it's designed and what they need to do to get an accurate reading is they need to have a quiet, place to listen to natural occurring radio waves that emit the movements of pulsars and galaxies in the deep space. I I think that's fascinating. It it has a surface area larger than a football field is what they say. And it stands in the center of the National Radio Quiet Zone. And that quiet zone is a 13,000 square mile area established to Prevent electronic interferences to the telescopes, extreme sensitivity. So this this intentional quiet enables scientists to really hear the music of the spheres, is what they call it. That's interesting, isn't it? The gate does not have to be difficult to enter. If we are willing to be quiet and listen to his voice, the one who created the universe, God communicated to a wayward and dis- distracted people through the prophet Isaiah. Think about this in Isaiah fifty-five three: Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. God promises His faithful love to all who will seek Him and turn to Him for forgiveness. So the gate doesn't have to be difficult to get through. It's up to us to make the decision. What decisions have you made?